the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So, yeah, it's the day after. Today we give thanks for the 55th completion of a successful Peddler's Fair. The Peddler's Fair draws St. Paul's together as perhaps no other event. There's something to do for anyone who wants to participate, and there's something to do even if you have to have your arm twisted to give you the opportunity to participate. <laughs> Thank God for those who labor for months before the second Saturday in August. And thank God for the Sierra Service Project teenagers who worked to the very last, cleaning up the debris from 30,000 visitors. Thank God for Jeannie and Mark Brown who spent their 62nd wedding anniversary working the Peddler's Fair. And yay! The Rector's Search Committee's work is complete. And the Vestry has completed their challenging task, prayerfully calling a new Rector to St. Paul's. And yay, another summer of Sierra Service Project is completed with two dozen youth and several adult advisors in this year's service mission. And yay, 20 years of community meals. You can clap for that one too. And another successful backpack drive. And another successful KVA. And it's summer, we aren't even in the regular work of the church during the school year. Just think what's coming. <laughs> this summer has been one mountaintop experience after another. Great outlay of labor and energy has led to wonderful success for all of us believers to enjoy. But, you knew there was a but coming, didn't you? But. The days after great success can be hard times. Some folks say that the days following a great success are more difficult than the days following a failure. Because when we fail, it's necessary to pick ourselves up and start over again. The success or failure, our strength are exhausted. We rather hope that someone else is going to take on the responsibility for the next action. Some of you may be hoping that when Annie, our new rector, comes, she will take on all the work and all the responsibilities that everyone else would like to shed. Let me tell you how that is not going to happen. <laughs> she will have plenty of responsibility as rector. We all have responsibilities otherwise. We aren't alone in the experience of getting tired and wishing that somebody else would take on work time and again in the Bible. We read how those who passionately serve God in one chapter are the very ones who run away from God's work in the next story. And that's what the prophet Elijah did. Elijah bursts onto the biblical scene about 75 years after King David. And the first thing we hear about him is how he spoke God's word against King Ahab. The Bible says that Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God to anger than all the kings of Israel before him. 
That's quite a reputation. Ahab worshipped idols and allowed his pagan wife Jezebel to establish the worship of her god Baal. Through Elijah, God told Ahab there would come neither dew nor rain until God chose to, spoke to, to speak to Ahab again. And thus began three years of utter drought. Eventually, Elijah sought out Ahab and set a contest between the prophets Baal and Elijah the prophet of the Lord God testing which deity would be more powerful. You need to go back and read 1 Kings for the details of just how utterly those prophets of Baal failed. And the power of God brought fire to a water-soaked offering at a water-soaked altar. The Israelites killed those prophets of Baal, the drought broke, and God sent rain on Israel. Isn't that wonderful and isn't that all good? Not quite. Ahab went and told Jezebel all that had happened, and Jezebel sent Elijah a message promising his death at her hands. Elijah fled for his life to the safety of the kingdom of Judah, hid under a broom tree and there prayed, Oh Lord, it is too much. Let me die. I am alone. I've been there. Bet you have been too. Haven't you been at that place in your life, in your relationship with your Christian community, that you feel you just can't do it anymore? The place where you feel like you are the only one doing the work of God? Haven't you been to that place where you crawl under the proverbial broom tree and say, I give up and wait to die? Guarantee you, most of us have. There are times we serve with energy, passion, imagination, and love. And there are times when we serve not out of desire, but because we feel like we have to. There are mountaintop experiences. And there are walks through the valley of the shadow of death. There are times we don't feel we can do enough. And there are those times when enough is enough. The noted theologian Xiao Jun Lang, who teaches at Vanderbilt University, says this. Given Elijah's attitude, one should expect a divine rebuke. There is not one, however. Instead, there's a series of epiphanies. Elijah's per perspective is strongly challenged, and a lesson is offered to him, but he is never rebuked for showing weakness. God did not scold Elijah for lagging in zealous energy. He didn't even scold Elijah for his argumentative griping. God did not command Elijah to buck up. He didn't say things are worse for somebody else. You've heard that one too. What did God do? God let Elijah fall asleep and then sent an angel with a cake of bread baked on hot coals. Remember the bread from the last couple of weeks? Remember the bread that's manna in the wilderness? That's that kind of bread. And a jar of water. 
Elijah slept again. And again the angel woke him saying, get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. And Elijah got up and ate and drank and then went on in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb, to the Mount of God. You've heard about 40 days and 40 nights before, haven't you? Yeah, that's God's amount of time. Notice, God did not make Elijah return to work before Elijah was ready. God allowed Elijah ample time to rest and rejuvenate. God allowed Elijah space to examine his life and his calling. And God even allowed Elijah to make the choice as to where he was going to go. So where did Elijah go? Right to the mountain of God. He chose to travel in the strength of the Lord to precisely the place he could pretty much guarantee meeting up with God. 40 days and 40 nights he traveled. At Mount Horeb he found a cave and in the dark womb of the cave he fell asleep all over again. And he slept through the night. In the morning the Lord God was present with Elijah and God spoke and God said, what are you doing here? Or maybe, what are you doing here? Or maybe, what do you think you're doing here? I'd like to think that God meant something like, why? When you could go anywhere in the world, did you choose to come here to my holy mountain? Well, to paraphrase Robert Frost, when we don't have any other place to go, we go home. Home where we know we shall be taken in. When we don't know where else to turn, we know that we can turn and return to God. When we are burned out by life, we can find peace in the presence of God. <clears throat> Elijah hiding under that broom tree was scared, tired, angry, frustrated, finished with doing God's work and the way he expressed it was in a desire to be done with everything. A desire to die. But I don't believe that's what he really wanted in his core. Like us, in this chaotic world of complicated living, when we are scared, tired, angry, just feeling finished with everything. Death is not really what most of us want. What our souls truly desire and what we truly need is to be filled. Filled by God. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the love, forgiveness, and grace of Christ. Elijah didn't really want to die. He just needed to be refilled. So he went to the place where he knew he would be flooded and saturated with God. He went into the presence and heard God's word. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, 
I am here because all your other children have forsaken you, destroyed your altars, killed your prophets, and are seeking to kill me. I am here because I need your strength to get through. And God gave Elijah strength. God filled Elijah, not through the wind, not through the earthquake, not through the fire, but via a still, small voice holding the immensity of God. And not until Elijah was refreshed and restored did God send him back to work in the work area, in the labors of God. So today, God asks us that same question. This morning, in this holy sanctuary, what are you doing here? Did you come seeking peace and rest? Did you come to give glory to your Lord and God? Did you come bringing an emptiness that you are longing to have filled? Those may not be questions that can be answered clearly or easily, yet do know it is God who meets us here. God has words of direction and love for each of us. No one can come into the presence of God and not be filled by God in some way. It may be impossible to recognize all that God gives to us, but know that being here gives God the opportunity to plant holy message in your heart and in my heart. Be assured, God will give rest to those who are weary. God will give joy to those who sorrow. God will bring life to those who feel lifeless. God will provide energy to those who feel powerless. As we receive the body of Christ, the bread of heaven, this day, may we hear again Jesus say, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. In the sacrament of communion, we are fed this bread just as Elijah ate bread from the angel's hand. Just as the people on the way to the promised land ate the manna that fell from the skies at God's command. This living bread will strengthen us for the journey. Not just for 40 days and 40 nights, but for abundant life now and for life eternal. And when the time is right, God will send each of us refreshed, renewed, rejuvenated, and equipped into the world to continue proclaiming the truth of salvation through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.